Welcome to another episode of The Gospelpreneur, where we explore Bible secrets to prospering in wealth, health, relationships, and faith. Your host, Brother Andre, digs deeply into biblical science and practical applications while encouraging growth in all areas of our lives. So if you're ready to grow, let's enjoy this journey to biblical abundance. Here's Brother Andre. That's going there. We have that going. The podcast is recording. You know, sometimes you wish you had an audio team so everybody can do all these different things. But we will work with what we have. How's everyone's week? Any testimony you'd like to share? You can raise your hand. I'll put you on the screen. You can share your testimony that way if you like. (laughs) All right. One last bit here, and I will be ready to roll. Sure. We're going to record, and we are going to broadcast. Here we go. All right. So we are broadcasting now. We are going to do a quick, we're going to do a word of prayer. And then we are going to dive right into our study so in fact give me a second all right so i have my my bible and we are about ready to get started here let's have a word of prayer our father in heaven we want to thank you so much for your love and mercy i want to thank you father for not giving us what we deserve for giving us what your dear son does Lord, we're living in some precarious times, times in which, Lord, your name is being blasphemed, times in which your people are giving up hope, times in which there is a desire to know you, but there's a lack of understanding how to truly know you and to love you. And Father, we just ask for a special healing, a special revelation of of you today. As we have entered into the Holy Sabbath, as we have entered into this special time, We pray, Father, that the the cares of this life find their resting place in you, for you are the great, the great bearer of our burdens. Lord, we love you. And this hour that we spend together, may we learn to love you more. And we pray this in the name of Jesus and claim the merits of his holy and most precious blood. Amen. Amen. All right, friends, we are going to study. I'm actually very excited (laughs) about what we're going to study because... We are looking at this idea or this understanding or this concept, I don't know how you want to say it, of learning to love, love God. Learning to love God, a a practical study series on anchoring our relationship with God and with each other. And as I've been going through and preparing the different study guides and PowerPoints and so forth and so on, I have seen things I've never seen before. And I've been in this for a long time. And I think sometimes, you know, when you study, 
and you are going through life experiences, certain things jump out at you different, you know? The Spirit of God speaks to you differently at different times because of the, the circumstances of life. And so it's it's no different in these studies. So I'm gonna do a we're gonna do a quick review and I'm gonna see if you were paying attention. I mean, this is not a it's not a quiz quiz, but it's a little quiz. So last week we talked about four manifestations of how we can see the love of God. Four, four manifestations of how we can see the love of God. Does anybody remember one or two? Or maybe all four? All right, nature. Absolutely. Nature. Good, good, good. Nature. What other ones? There's three others. We got nature, family. That's right, family. The interactions that we have in family, how nature moves and functions, how we see different creatures interacting. All of these are a reflection of the love, the love of God. Also, we have family, we have nature. There's two others. Family, nature, and what else? God's word. That's right. That's right, Sister Q, God's word. And you cannot go without the word of God to see and understand what the love of God is. So absolutely, God's word. And I'm going to do the last one, which is the word made flesh, right? So Jesus Christ is the manifestation of the love of God. Without Jesus, the purity of that love cannot be seen because nature is corrupt. Families are corrupt. The word of God has... It, 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 in its in its physical form, there's limitations here still, but the word of God made flesh, no limitations, perfect reflection of the love of God. It is absolutely phenomenal. And my friends, I hope this week you took extra time to spend in nature, extra time to observe how family units function and flow. I, I hope you spend extra time in the word of God, looking at those stories that were reflective of God's undying love for us. And I pray that you spent time with Jesus throughout the, the week in its entirety. Now, my friends, it's imperative that as life is pressing, because life does press, I don't know about you, but life presses on me. And as life is pressing, we have to have a history to go back to, to remember what God has already done. Does that make sense? Like you have to have a past experience to help you anchor in your present circumstance. Because sometimes the present circumstances are so overwhelming that you could lose sight of God. And that's what we don't. We, we don't want to lose sight of God, right? We don't want to lose sight of what he has done for us. We want to make sure that our focus is clear, that our love for him is clear. Because when it's not clear, it's easy to go back to sin. It's easy to go back to that, which is good. Now, today we're going to do some practical, practical breaking down of how this relationship works and our condition in the process. All right. So let me share my screen with you and we will. Let me see. Where is my share screen? Here we go. I'm going to share my screen with you and we'll go from from there. So sometimes my. Uh, my clicker likes to work and sometimes it doesn't, but here we go. All right. So hopefully you can see, see my screen here. Learning to love God. Learning to love God. And I'm treating myself. I'm, a, I'm talking to you as, as a believer in the faith, but I'm going to treat myself like I don't know. Okay? 
And as we're going through these these texts and these studies, I want you to re-examine yourself in light of what the scripture is presenting. Because if you don't, and you take an arrogant posture, like I already know this, then you're going to miss it. And you're going to find yourself walking right out of the faith in Jesus. So I want you to act like you don't know. In other words, take the position of a child as we're reading the scriptures, as we're bringing out these principles. And I promise even the simplest point, if accepted, will be profound in helping us make better and right choices. So let's go a little further in our study today. So today we are looking at lesson two, and the title is Our Need Calls Him. Our Need Calls Him. Subtitle, We Can't Save Ourselves, We Need Jesus. It's not optional. It's not a part-time thing. It's not just I show up on Saturdays at church. This is a, a, a desperate cry, a desperate need that must be uh, 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 accepted in order for us to receive the redemption that we need. So let's take it a little bit further here. So the creation of man. I want to look at the creation of man. I want us to go back and look at the creation of man and God's intent in our creation. So here's the question. What was the nature of man before the fall? And what was God's purpose in creating mankind, okay? So what was the nature of man before the fall and God's purpose in creating mankind? So you'll notice here, the Bible says in Genesis 1:26, and God said, let us make man in our image and after our likeness. And let them have dominion over the fish of the sea and over the fowl of the air and over the cattle and over all the earth and over every creeping thing that creepeth upon the earth. So stop right there. First point that you need to pay attention to. And those of you who are watching on Facebook and you you probably can't see the, 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 the screen as far as the Bible verse is concerned. But here is the idea. When mankind was made, he was not made randomly like a bird or a fish. <laughs> he was made in the image of God. He was made in the likeness of God. And Genesis 1.27 says, So God created man in his own image. In the likeness of God created he him. Male and female created he them. Okay, so let's break this down. We're made in the image of God, male and female, both made in his image. Now, if we don't get that locked in our minds, then we're going to try to be something that we are not. You see, we were made to be like the most high, not, 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 not the way Lucifer wanted to be like the most high. No, not that way. But I'm saying the, the character, the reflection of that love of God. I always ask this question. I've, I've preached so many times all over the world. And the one question I asked, if there was one word that you could use to describe God, you only had a one chance to do it. What word would you use to describe him? And most people, most times, 96% of the time, I get the answer. God is love. Right? Wouldn't that be your answer? First John 4, 8. He that loveth not knoweth not God, for God is love 
love. So when God makes man, he makes him in the image of love. And in the image of love, love has dominion over the fish over the fish of the sea and over the fowl of the air and over everything that creepeth upon the earth. So we're made in this image from the beginning. From the beginning. In Genesis 5:1, it says, This is the book of the generations of Adam in the day that God created man, in the likeness of God made he him. So man is created in the likeness of God. Verse 2 says, male and female created he them and blessed them and called their name Adam in the day when they were created. So here it is. God makes male and female and calls their name Adam in the likeness of God, in the image of God. Powerful thought. I want you to keep it in mind because we're building something here. So when we read this quotation, I want you to lock it in. I want you to see it in, in your own mind. I want you to see it, not just this image that's on the screen that we're made in this image. I want you to remember that you were made in God's image. When Adam came from the creator's hand, now listen to this. When Adam came from the creator's hand, he bore in his physical, mental, and spiritual nature a likeness to his maker. So here man is created in the image of God, formed and fashioned after the, the, the person of God, not just spiritually. See, when I was younger, I just thought spiritually, not just mentally. I figured, yeah, man was made in the, the image of God mentally. We can grow and be like him. But did you know that physically when man was made, we were made physically like God? Now, of course, <laughs> Over these multiple thousands of years, humanity has found a way of being deformed. But my friends, our original state was a reflection of the very image of God. Body, mind, and soul. To me, my friends, phenomenally deep. That is deep. Absolutely amazing. How is it that when man is created, he's created in the image of God, he's created to look just like him, body, mind, and soul? Let that sit in your soul for a minute. Let that sit in your mind for a minute. What does that mean? I'll tell you this. I'll tell you one thing it means that, that it's not necessarily part of my study right now, but I'll tell you this. That means the devil hates anybody that looks like, sounds like, talks like, has a mental capacity like God. It frustrates his soul to see it. He's threatened by it. Think about it. He's threatened by it. All right. Take this a little bit deeper because now we're talking about the sinner's need of Christ. Like, why would we need him? Why would you need Jesus? You know, you, aren't you a good person? <laughs> aren't, aren't you a nice person? Don't you think you, you know, that life is good because you're here and you bless everybody and you preach and you give Bible studies? 
Aren't you a good person? Listen to me, friends. I'm telling you, if you listen to what I want to tell you in a few moments, you're going to realize that we 99.97% have tricked ourselves thinking that we are Christians when we have been mere human moralists, when we simply have been culturally Christian. Hear me now. You see, when you have a need, like if you ever been hungry, anybody ever been hungry before? I've been hungry. I've, I've been hungry. In fact, I'm hungry right now. I didn't eat yet. Didn't eat yet. When you're hungry, what happens inside? What happens inside your body? What, what starts happening? It start a little, little signal start going off, right? Like a little signal. Like, doo -doo -doo -doo. Time to get some food, Dre. I don't know if it sounds like that inside your brain, but in my brain it goes like that. Doo -doo 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 -doo. Time, time to get some food, Andre. <laughs> Then if after a while I don't get the food, it starts it starts eating up my fat, which is actually not that bad. You know, it starts eating some of this fat up and it's, it's doing its work. But then it gets to a point where you're hangry. You ever been hangry before? You ever, you ever been hangry? That's hunger and anger mixed together. That's you've taken too long to feed your body and somebody says something to you and you're ready just to snap at them because you're you're hangry. Okay, this is nature. This, that is your nature. That is, that is something that is letting you know that there is a need that needs to be fulfilled and you need to execute on that need. That nature, that hunger, I want you to amplify that by a jillion percentage and understand that our carnal nature is just as tough. It's just as crucial and it only is pacified from time to time. In other words, you could, we could do the, something like this. So let's just say, and I'm going to use something extreme so you guys can just get the point. Uh, because the principle is going to go actually much deeper than what, I'm gonna, what we're saying right now. But let's just say you had a drinking problem, right? Or it wasn't a problem yet. At least you say in your mind it's not a problem. So you start, you sip a little bit. And then it satiates you for a time. You're satiated for a time. Now you go about and doing all your religious activity. You 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 know you're preaching and giving Bible studies. You're going to church. You're a deacon or deaconess. And because you've satiated that carnal beast for a little while, you seem like you're normal because the carnal beast has been tamed, right? And now you're just going around and you're doing nice things. And now you're covering up the carnal beast there every once in a while. A little sip here, a little sip there, a little sip here, a little sip there. Now, mind you, that beast is growing. You see, the trick of the devil is to get us to think that we can control the beast. Are you following? The trick of the devil is to get us to think that we can control the beast. When in reality, my friends, if we are not being transformed in the image of God, the carnal nature will have domination. It is natural. I hope you I hope you're listening with me. It is natural to do wrong. It is natural to gossip. It is natural to backbite. It is natural to do those things which are wrong. Now, let's go a little further with this. I, I want you to I want you to pay attention. My friends, tonight somebody, including myself, can be delivered tonight. Or whenever you're listening to this. Whether you're listening on podcasts, whether you're doing Facebook, whether you're listening right now, someone can be delivered from bondage tonight. 
That's right. It definitely can be applied to sins of the heart. We're going to we're going to go into this thing. We're going to go into this thing, my friend, because when we deal with it proper, there will be more Christians than the tagline Adventist. The tagline Episcopalian. The tagline Catholic. The cultural Christian. When we deal with it the way we're supposed to deal with it. Okay? So watch. Watch what we're gonna do. So I'm gonna I'm gonna go back and share my screen. And let's see here. All right, here we go. So watch. So we talked about Adam physically being like his creator. God created man in his own image, and it was his purpose that the longer man lived, the more fully he would reveal this image and more fully reflect the glory of God. So here is the intent and purpose of the creation of man, the glory of God. So let's look at Genesis chapter 2. Open your Bible. Go to Genesis chapter 2. Let's look carefully, carefully. Genesis chapter 2, and we're looking at verses 18 to 25. Notice what the Bible says. The Bible says, and the Lord said, it is not good huh. that man should be alone. I will make him and help meet for him. And out of the ground, the Lord God formed every beast of the field and every fowl of the air and brought them unto Adam to see what he would call them. And whatsoever Adam called every living creature, that was the name thereof. And Adam gave names to all cattle and to the fowl of the air and to every beast of the field. But for Adam, there was not found and help meet for him. Here's God in the creation of men. Here's God testing, if I can use this phraseology properly, he's testing the software. You know, Adam's naming the animals, but Adam is connected to the most high. So he's 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 making sure that the connection is is working well. There's yes, that is a tiger, although I don't know if that's what Adam called it. That is a lion. You know, he's naming the animals and he's getting these ideas as a as as a conduit, as a connection with the most high. Watch. And now he's by himself. The Bible says in verse 21, and the God caused a deep sleep to fall upon Adam, and he slept. And he took one of his ribs and closed up the flesh instead thereof. And the rib which the Lord God had taken from man, made he a woman, and brought her unto the man. And Adam said, this is now bone of my bones and flesh of my flesh. She shall be called woman because she was taken out of man. There's a lot there. It's a lot visual there, but just keep this in mind. He took from the bone. That's the DNA. He took from Adam's DNA and made someone similar to him to be in help meet for him in the caring of the garden, the mission that God had put upon Adam already. Okay. And he gave him acts of service to do, tending the grounds, taking care of the animals, so forth and so on. Verse verse 23, and Adam said, this is now bone of my bones and flesh of my flesh. She should be called woman because she was taken out of man. Therefore, shall a man leave his father and mother and shall cleave unto his wife and they shall be one flesh. And they were both naked, the man and the wife, and were not ashamed. That's a supernatural thing described there. Two human beings being one. I'm going to tell you right now, that's an impossible thing. Naturally, for two different human beings to be one 
flesh, not normal. That is supernatural. And my friends, if the study that we're doing, if everybody doesn't recognize their need for Christ and their brokenness, they will perpetuate brokenness on each other and cause the downfalls in the home. I promise you that. That's a promise. I don't want to promise stuff like that, but it's true. First John 4, 8, he that loveth not knoweth not God, for God is love. Oneness, love, that is supernatural. It's not normal. I'm going to read one other passage to you, again, describing this love from Scripture. Look at this. First Corinthians 13. And please, as I'm reading this, I just want you to examine yourself, not examine your children. Don't examine your spouse. Examine yourself. Don't examine the church. Don't examine me. Examine yourself as we read this passage. It says, though I speak with the tongues of men and of angels and have not charity, no, charity is love, I am become as sounding brass or a tinkling cymbal. And though I have the gift of prophecy and understand all mysteries and all knowledge, and though I have all faith so that I could remove mountains and have not love, I am, what's it say? Nothing. And though I bestow all my goods to feed the poor, and though I give my body to be burned and have not love, it profiteth me nothing. Now this is interesting. Because you can give your food to feed the poor. You can give your body and be a martyr. And still not have love. Then it describes love. Let's read it. Love suffereth long and is kind. Love envieth not. Love vaunteth not itself. It's not puffed up. Doth not behave itself unseemly. Seeketh not her own. Is not easily provoked. Thinketh no evil. Rejoiceth not in iniquity, but rejoices in the truth. Beareth all things. Believeth all things. Hopeth all things. Endureth all things. Love never fails now let me ask you a question i want to see your response to this i want to see your response to this tell me is this a perfect description of you if it's no type no in the chat everything we read about love is love a perfect description of you yes or no okay got no's got a lot of no's got two no's three no's four no's five no's not so no no no, we got a lot of no's. A lot of no's. You know what, guys? I'm so happy you're being honest. You see, now we're in a position where God can help us. Now we're in a position where God can help us. You see, everything that's been described here as love is not me. Everything there, love is suffereth and is kind. I suffer and be kind at the same time. And maybe even outwardly, I might look like I'm being kind outwardly, but inside I might be like, I want to, I want them to disappear. I want them to burn up. You, you, you follow what I'm saying? So there has to be, there has to be a supernatural work that God does from the inside. This is not something that you and I can do. This is not something all your veggie eating is going to do. Your attending Saturday church service is going to do. Your Wednesday night prayer meeting is going to do. Every time coming to Friday Bible study, it's not going to do it. It's not going to do it. 
There has to be a supernatural intervention in order for us to be saved. And there's so much falsity in our Christian walk that everybody thinks they're okay when few have truly experienced the power of the gospel. The sinner's need of Christ. When you're hungry, you feel it like it's clear. It's time to eat. When you're thirsty, you start to say, oh, I got to get some water. Huh? I, I got to, my, my lips are dry. My tongue is feeling a certain way. Those are indications that you're thirsty. So what, what would be, and be, I haven't gone into it yet, but I would be curious to see what your answers would be. What would be some indications that you are in need of Jesus? Give me some indications. So, like when you're when you're thirsty, when your body needs hydration, your tongue starts feeling a certain way. When you're hungry, your stomach starts growling. In the spiritual sense, what would be some indicators that you need to press closer to Jesus? Give me give me something. Give me something in the chat. What would be some indicators that you are in need of Jesus? Hmm? Inability to forgive. Amen. That's a tough one. Guilt. Yep. 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 Getting hot-headed over small things. That's right. Anger. That's one of them. Temper short. Yep. 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 Emptiness. That's right. That's right. Impatience. That's right. Spiritual arrogance. That's right. Now, let me tell you something, friends. Let me tell you this. Let me tell you this. You got to think about what I want to say. So when I realize I need water, it's not a sin that I need water. It's letting me know that I have a need and I need to take care of it. Are you following? So when anger presents itself, that in and of itself by itself is not a sin. It's an awakening of a need. Uh-oh. Where's Jesus? Uh-oh, I'm feeling empty. Where's Jesus? Uh-oh, I'm feeling impatient. Where's Jesus? Where, where am I in relation to him? Because he's the only solution to my problem. My wife is not the solution to my problem. My child is not the solution to my problem. Are you following? The church is not the solution to my problem. The preacher is not the solution. Now, if the spirit leads you and the spirit speaks through somebody, I'm not saying that that's not the case. But what I'm saying is don't worship the conduits, worship the source. Are you following? Because the, the conduits, the people that God uses are fallible. They're broken, just like you are. You know, I'm here giving you a Bible study. You don't know what's going on in my life. <laughs> You have no idea. <laughs> and I don't know what's going on in your life. So there's no pedestals for nobody to be on. There is room at the foot of the cross for everybody and all their brokenness and all their needs. There's room at the foot of the cross for all of us. And when we remember this, then we can have the, the what is it? Jesus says, I'll give you water that you'll never thirst again. Hmm. Then he'll give us what we don't have, where normally somebody does something to us and when we have a temper, but now there's no temper. 
And it wasn't something that you was working on. It was something that you spent time in beholding. And as you beheld, he gave you something that you didn't have. The emptiness that was there is no longer empty. You're full. And you're like, where did this come from? Where did this fullness come from? In him is fullness and joy. Where is it coming from? It's coming from the source. He is the source. You are not the source. Your spouse and children are not the source of happiness. And let me say this. Happiness is a fleeting feeling, almost like a butterfly that floats through the air, and you'll never really catch it. It's not something to be sought for. Happiness floats. But what does happen is you find rest in Christ and happiness is given. Peace is given. Joy is given. Because it's found in a person. Jesus Christ, the righteous. I hope you're following. I'm I'm hoping this is making sense to you. So we're made in the image of God. We're made to reflect this love from the beginning. Then sin comes in and distorts everything. I mean, it broke everything. Everything is broken. And I want you to keep this in mind. Inside of you and me, there is nothing good. That's a hard one. That's a hard one. I want Listen, that is a hard one to accept. That inside you and me, there's nothing good of our natural selves. Nothing. Zero zero. You know why that's hard to accept? Because what we do, we look from the exterior. Or we look at the few good things that we do and we we categorize it. We're like, okay, I did church today. I dressed good today. I ate this today. And then we got a little checklist of righteousness that we do. And there's nothing wrong with examining yourself. Okay. But we, we stop there. We got our checklist, and that checklist will give you a false sense of security, my friends. Well, let's go a little further. I'm gonna share my screen. Let me go back to my screen. Let me let me show this to you. All right. So Jesus is the answer. Now, there is a series of texts, and I want you to look at these texts in John chapter one. Go to John chapter one, John chapter one, verses one through three. John chapter 1, verses 1 through 3, the Bible says, In the beginning was the Word, and the in the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God. And the same was in the beginning with God. All things were made by him, and without him was not anything made that was made. So the Word is God. We know that John 1, 14 says, And the Word was made flesh. And dwelt among us, and we beheld his glory, the glories of the only begotten of the Father, full of grace and truth. This is talking about Jesus, the Word made flesh. First Corinthians, go to First Corinthians. First Corinthians, chapter 1, verse 24. Listen to this. First Corinthians, chapter 1, verse 24, the Bible says, But unto them that are called both Jews and Greeks, Christ, pay attention, friends, Christ, the power of God, and the wisdom of God. Christ is the power of God and the wisdom of God. So you have John says that Jesus is the word, and that word created all things. First Corinthians says Christ is the power of God and that he is the wisdom of God. 
Powerful. Powerful. Yes, we'll get you those slides, no question. In fact, last week I was supposed to send you guys the slides, and I forgot to put in the email. So in the new email coming next week will be PowerPoints for this and for last week and the lesson for last week and this week coming. Okay? All right, cool. So Christ is the wisdom of God. Christ is the power of God. Christ is the word of God. Colossians, go to Colossians. Colossians. Look at this. Colossians. Chapter 1, verses 15 through 17. Watch what the Bible says. Colossians 1, 15 through 17. The Bible says, who is the image of the invisible God? Wait. So who's the image of the invisible God? This is talking about Jesus. Jesus is the image of the invisible God. It says, the firstborn of every creature, for by him were all things created, that are in heaven and that are in earth, visible and invisible, whether they be thrones or dominions or principalities or powers, all things were created by him and for him. And he is before all things and by him all things consist. I need you to pay attention what's happening right here. Are you paying attention? This passage is highlighting something that John chapter 1 highlighted. John chapter 1 said that Christ, being the word, created all things, right? Christ being the word, he created all things. By him, all things consist. Now, Colossians is saying the same thing, but it adds something. It adds a few things that you may have missed in the broader context of John 1. But So in the broader context of John, John 1, watch what it says now. First Corinthians, I mean, uh, Colossians, Colossians chapter one, it says, for by him were all things created that are in heaven, that are in earth, visible and invisible, whether they be thrones or dominions or principalities or, po or powers, thrones, Domin uh, 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 dominions, principalities, and powers. When I when I say Jesus Christ is Lord, right? When you and I say things like this, and I don't even know how to say what I want to say right now. Let me let me let me let me try to let me think it through a little bit a little bit further here. When 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 I say when I or you say Jesus Christ is Lord, that He's King of Kings and Lord of Lords, that He's He's the creator of all things. When, when we talk like that, and then we realize that he's not just the creator of all things and he's Lord of Lords, but he's our Lord. He's our king. We have access to him. There's nothing in, in our experience that he's not touched by. There's nothing in our experience that he doesn't have uh, uh, influence and control over then I can rest in a power like that. Are you following what I'm saying? I have a big brother. You know, <laughs> I don't have a real big brother in life, but in this sense, I have a big brother. I have, a, I have someone that's a supernatural and, 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 and is interested in me and, and taking his time from the throne above and, and is interested in my circumstance and interested in your circumstance. You, yourself, don't have to be burdened without him knowing that he's there with you. You're not bearing this alone. Now, when I say that, I say this in the context of this also. 
when you and I realize our need, and then we realize the who we're dealing with and the access that we have, then what that does for us is says, I don't have to give up because I've bro- I'm broken here. I don't have to throw my hands in the air because I have messed up here. I, I, I don't have to stop being a Christian because I have all these issues. You know what? I have all these issues. That's why Christ came. You follow what I'm saying? Like, I have all these issues. We like to cover our issues with right behavior, which is the wrong behavior to do. I have problems. I have issues. Somebody says, some folks don't. There was a a statement made earlier, and it was in regards to the sins not being outward, but being inward, right? And when the sins are inward, nobody knows about that. That's almost like the Pharisee. Now, we like to use the Pharisee to say that he was self-righteous because he was pompastic and, you know, judgmental. And the majority of us are judgmental from the inside. But, But more than that, when we are looking at the issue in regards to the arrogance in our hearts, we don't talk about that. We'd like to talk more about what kind of music is being played in the church. We like to talk more about the apostasy that's happening over here, over there. We want to talk more about the sister that's not doing this or that, but spiritual arrogance, spiritual pride. We don't, we don't deal with that. We like to debate. We don't deal with the real problem. The issues of the heart. The issues of the heart. Well, we haven't even got to the meat of this yet. Watch this, friends. Hold on. Hold on here. Pastor, I'm on the line, my man. No sound, brother. You you haven't had sound for an hour. Oh, oh, that's on that's on Facebook. Yeah, everybody's saying no sound. <laughs> okay, interesting. So All I don't right. I don't know what to do with that. Thank you, Pastor. I'm gonna try to figure it out. Hi, brother. All right. So hey, everybody that's in the in the chat in the platform, can y'all hear me? I think you guys can hear me. Can you hear me? Yep. See, that's the thing. When you join the seminar proper, you can hear. (laughs) All right. Let me see what I can do to help my my brothers and sisters hear the sound that are listening on Facebook. Okay. Give me a second here for for them. Let me see what I can do. Let me see what I can do for them. (laughs) Mm. I wonder why it's not being heard. Turn that off. And what I'll do is hold on. Just give me a second. All right. So let me stop sharing. Give me a second, see if I can get these folks to. Go live.
it's good to have friends who call you and that you can respect because otherwise it was some other folks okay i think we can, i think we're good to go now got it all right very good so we are live for the facebook crew all right so those of you who are just hearing me now on facebook my apologies for the lack of sound not sure what happened there but um we are broadcasting now via facebook and we're good to go so i would encourage you those who did not hear the previous part it is being recorded on my podcast right now we are also recording it directly on my oh well, yeah on the podcast the sound is being recorded for sure and so we will go from there so let's go back to sharing the screen um, hopefully everyone can hear we go forward from there we're looking at our need and christ being the solution to that now colossians chapter 2 colossians chapter 2 and we are reading verse number 3 and verse number 9 colossians 2 verses 3 and verse number 9 the bible says in whom are hid all the treasures of wisdom and knowledge so in whom in whom in christ are hid all the treasures of wisdom and knowledge verse 9 says for in him dwelleth all the fullness of the godhead bodily so i need you to wrap this in your mind christ is everything to us Let me say it again. Jesus Christ is everything to us, not something, not a partial thing. He is everything. If you are going to church and all you're doing is debating doctrine and you're not talking about the person of Christ, the wisdom of Christ, the power of Christ, the love of Christ, the sacrifice of Christ, the life of Christ, if 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 that does not bring joy to your heart and mind and soul, you are speaking vain things. Remember, 1 Corinthians chapter 13, though I have the gift of prophecy, though I feed the poor, though I do all these things and have not love, but love is not some mystical feeling. Love is embodied in a person. Who's the person? Jesus. That's the person. Jesus is the person. If you don't have him, you don't have anything. If you don't know him, you don't know anything. If you're not spending time with him, if you're spending more time with your spouse than you are with your Lord, you are wasting your time. If you're spending more time with your children than with your Lord. Now, you can do both, right? You can spend time with the Lord and with your family. You can walk with the Lord all day long. The point is, you must make sure that you're connected. Because if you're not, I promise, my friends, right now, the devil's doing sniper work. You know what sniper work is, right? The sniper sits up. He sits a far away distance. He has his gun. And he's like, oh, I got this one. Oh, I got this one. One by one, folks falling off. Why? Because they don't have a deep abiding relationship with the person of Christ. The person, who is he? He's everything to us. That's why the devil hates you. Because if you start looking like him, he gets real afraid. <laughs> you start behaving like Jesus would, he gets real afraid. He got everybody acting like beasts right now. 
You got everybody talking about everybody. You got everybody fighting about everything. We have lost sight of the person. Therefore, the carnal nature that we have is rising up like a beast. It's rising up. It's rising up in the house. It's rising up in the world. It's rising up in the church. Beast-like behavior. So how do we deal with this? I'm going to press it further. I'm going to press it further. No one's getting away from this tonight unless you just get off the line, you know? But I'm we're going to press this further. You ever seen you ever had an apple before? Now, here, let me let me open the chat. Let me look at the chat. I'm going to stop I'm going to I'm going to ask uh, this question. So, apple or ice cream? And don't be a joker. I don't need any jokers today. I need some real people, so no jokes, okay? Apple or ice cream? Ice cream being it could be vegan ice cream. I don't care what kind of ice cream it is. Ice cream or apple. Which one is more nutritious for you? Go ahead and type in the chat. Apple or ice cream? Okay, I got an apple. Apple, much healthier. Yep, apple. Apple. Mm-hmm. Apple. Yep. Some people are afraid. They'd be like, apple pie, Andre. No, no, no. I'm talking about a real apple <laughs> versus ice cream. Now, I don't know if you've ever done this. Now, I've done this before. Okay. I've done this before. I have, on purpose, eaten ice cream. And then, after eating ice cream, I've eaten an apple. Now, I don't know if you've ever done that, but let me ask you. And apples normally, I, I one of my favorite apples is the Honeycrisp apple. The other day, I had a Cosmic apple. I never heard of a Cosmic apple. I, I went to the store, and there was a Cosmic apple. I was like, let me try that out. And it was good. But if, if you, have you ever done that before, eating ice cream, and then right after eating the ice cream, you ate an apple? Have you ever done that? Just type yes or no if you've ever done that. You ever done that? Done anything like that? No? Okay. I'm going to give you, I'm going to give you, I'm going to give you an experiment that you could do on your own. Okay? I want, oh, Dr. Perry, you've done it, huh? Yeah. Yeah. So, Dr. Perry, tell me something. How did the apple taste after you ate the ice cream because normally apples are good eating in the right context in the right times apples are good but if you eat ice cream which is that refined sugar that stuff that's processed in the store and you then go try to eat the apple that apple's not going to taste good at all you can't as dr perry says you can't taste the sweetness at all this is what sin does. Listen to me. Sin is like you eating ice cream and then trying to go back and eat an apple. And when you go out and try to eat that apple, no, no good. So this is why, this is why we have problems trying to study our Bible. Huh? I mean, if you just sit and watch two and a half hours of shoot them up, bang, bang, which I have done. And you go back and it's like, okay, I'm going to read my Bible right now. Uh, it's not going to be that good. Are you following what I'm saying? Even though the apple is healthier, even though the apple tastes good, even though the apple will bring more nutrients to your body, if you go try to eat the apple, after you've already partaken of the, of the ice cream, you're not going to enjoy it. 
So that's why people say, oh, I don't want to be a Christian. Well, yeah, it's because you, your taste buds need some changing. So this is the good thing about God. This is the good thing about God. That's right. This is a good thing about God. Listen to me. God allows for bitter experiences with the unclean thing so that we will stop doing the unclean thing and go back to that which is good. Tell me something. Tell me something that hurt you this week. Anything hurt you this week? Did you? Did somebody speak to you disrespectfully this week? Did somebody uh, cut you off while you were talking? You're like, man, that's rude. How come they did that? Did somebody call you a name? Was there an argument that you got into? Was there, did you realize that you had COVID this week? Did you Did you get sick from something this week? All, all those negative things that are transpiring are like a wake-up call to say, hey, 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 the life in which we're living right now is not the life that God wants ultimately. Remember I talked last week about pain, pain being a design from God to awaken us. It's like a, it's a warning sign. Something greater is still going to come if you keep going this way. It is a warning. You see? I'm going to show you something. I'm going to show you something else. Somebody said too many things distract us from the Bible. That's right. A lot, tons of things distract us. Tons of things. Sin causes a distaste for that which is good. Watch this, friends. Listen to this quotation. It says, sin not only shuts away, shuts away, not only, sin not only shuts away from God, but destroys in the human soul, watch this, both the desire and the capacity for knowing him. I'll read it again. Sin not only shuts away from God, but destroys in the human soul both the desire and the capacity for knowing him now my friends let me let me let me stop sharing my screen for a second how many of you have ever got up in the morning and you're like okay um i want to have devotion and then you're like i don't really want to have my devotion you ever had that i have Or you know that you know, you're know supposed to do something good, and then you're like, um, I don't want to do that today. I want to kind of just, I want to do me. I just want to do me. You ever See, these, these things are like when you are thirsty, it's like a signal in your body. It tells you, I'm thirsty. It's a signal. Whenever you start feeling that way, it's a signal of a need. So if, you're ever, if you have ever ignored a need, you ever heard a clanking in your car, a little something's happening in your car, but you're like, ah, don't worry about that. We're just going to keep driving. <laughs> I've done that before to my detriment. It's the same thing. When you start feeling the lack of desire, when you start seeing that your capacity for knowing God seems to be limited, that is when you know you need him more. And you need to press in. Don't press away. Don't give in to that feeling. There is a need that is being presented to you. You must acknowledge it and you must go to the source for your remedy. If you don't, the problem will compound. And I know about all sorts of compounding problems. <laughs> I smile, but man, I'll tell you the truth. Through sin, 
the whole human organism is deranged. Let, let me put this on the screen so you can see it. I don't just want to read it. You got to see this. I'm telling you, this quote made me shiver. Sin not only shuts away, shuts away from God, but destroys in the human soul both the desire and the capacity for knowing him. Through sin, the whole human organism is deranged. The mind is perverted. The imagination corrupted. The faculties of the soul are degraded. Mercy. There is an absence of pure religion, of heart holiness. The converting power of God has not wrought in transforming the character. The soul is weak and for want of moral force to overcome is polluted and debased. Question, do you believe that? Do you believe that? About yourself. I'm not talking about the transgender. I'm not talking about the homosexual alone. I'm not talking about everybody else and their problems. I'm talking about this paragraph defining me. Deranged. Mind perverted. Imagination corrupted. Faculties degraded. The absence of pure religion. Soul weak, moral force overcome, polluted, debased. This is a description of a sinner's being without Christ. This is bad. You see, I have to. We have to paint the picture as what it is. We have to paint the picture as bad as it is, because if we don't paint it bad as it is, then we won't understand how good we have it in Jesus. If we don't paint it bad as it is, we won't understand our need when I wake up in the morning, before I go out to deal with my day, before I start dealing with my, my family or dealing with my friends or dealing with my ministry or dealing with my businesses. I have to recognize my need, my source of hope is not in myself. My source of hope is not in my church. My source of hope is not in any other mortal being. My source of hope is in Jesus Christ the righteous. He is everything to us. So if that's the case, if my proposition is clear, if, the, if inspiration's proposition is clear to us, then I need Jesus every moment of every day and that there's no decision I should be making without consulting first with him, with him without him being first in my mind. And there should be a, a, a regular communion with him. So as I'm communing, I get to be more like him. So my responses become more natural. You ever, uh, you know, when you hang around somebody for a long, long time, you don't even have to ask the person sometimes whether they like something or not, because you know. And as we come closer and closer to Christ, it becomes more known where we are, what we're supposed to do, what he likes, what he doesn't like. And then his likes become my likes. His, dis his dislikes become my dislikes. Now I start like reading the Bible before I didn't like reading the Bible. You follow what I'm saying? Like it, it, everything begins to change. 
not because you made yourself that way, because you cannot, because he is. Now, I'm going to show you a couple of diagrams. I made these up. Oh, before I even get there, let me read this. The infinite value of the sacrifice required for our redemption reveals the fact that sin is a tremendous evil. I'll read it again. The infinite value. What, what does infinite mean? It's just, there's no limit to it, right? It's continuous. The infinite value of the sacrifice required for our redemption reveals the fact that sin is a tremendous evil. Through sin, the whole human organism is deranged. Same quote, right? The mind is perverted. The imagination corrupted. Sin has degraded the faculties of the soul. Temptations from without find an answering cord within the heart, and the feet turn imperceptibly toward evil. Now, tell me, what is imperception? Give me a definition. What is the definition of imperception? Imperceptibly. What is the definition for that word? Anybody? What does that word mean? Imperceptibly. Cannot see it. That's right. That's dangerous, friends. Imperceptibly. That means you cannot see. It's an incremental change that begins to take place. And then one day you wake up and you're like, man, how did I end up over here? I'll read the last part again. Temptations from without find an answering cord within the heart. So you have temptation outside and then you have a problem inside and there's a there's something, a beacon. It's like, doo, doo, ba -ding. it found it. It found it. So now that was within is responding for the temptation without. So I'll tell I always say something like this. So temptation to eat uh, wood bark, like for breakfast every day. Is that a temptation for anybody? Now, that might be a, a strange person online. It's possible <laughs> somebody might be a little different. But for the most part, people on this line don't like eating tree bark for breakfast. So that temptation wouldn't do anything because there's nothing within calling me to eat tree bark. You follow? But let's say you're money hungry. Let's say you have greed in your heart. Let's say you have lust in your heart. Let's say you have intemperance in your heart. The temptation without, go forth, and they're calling for something from within. Doo-doo, doo-doo, doo-doo. And your heart starts going like this. Now, self-restraint might hold off for a minute. Pride might stop you for a second because you don't want to be embarrassed. Cultural norms might say, okay, I don't want to do that because I don't want to be looked at like that. So you keep it inside. But the thing is, it's still where? In the heart. See, the cleanliness, the righteousness that God wants to do is beyond outward conformity. If you are satisfied because you don't do it outwardly, you are a lost person. I said it. If you're satisfied that you don't commit adultery because you don't do it, but inside you want to, that is still a problem. The, the goal is that God wants to change you from the inside out. The righteousness must exceed the righteousness of the Pharisees. Outward conformity. Why? To a cultural norm. This is what we do as Christians. This is why we go to church. This is why we eat this way. This is why we dress this way. Well, that's not going to do it, my friends, because righteousness, outward conformity is not righteousness, believe it or not.
Don't worry, we're going to break it down. So here's my chart. So this is a good thing to have education. Everybody agrees? Yes, you should have education. Some form of godly education, education periods. But, but there's a lot of people that put education as the means of restoring humanity, making men enlightened because there's education, or, or maybe even this, culture. You know, we're a cultured people. Like, that's a culture. <laughs> we are, we're so cultured. I remember, <laughs> I remember uh, listening to a choir. I won't, I won't name the choir. The choir sounded like they were angels. I mean, they were singing sacred music. I was like, man, I need to go to school there because that music is so holy. And then I went to school there and the, no, no, they're cultured. No. Just because you play an instrument don't make you holy. You speak a refined language doesn't mean you're holy. And look, culture. What about exercise of the will? I am disciplined. I will not eat that. I will not go there. <laughs> That's not good enough either. What about this one? Human effort. Now, all these are good to have. You should be educated and cultured, and you should exercise your will, and you should put forth human effort. But guess what? There's a greater power that must be given to you. And right now, if self is in the center of any of this behavior, it is for nothing. It is for nothing. Self is a problem. And self being the controlling factor of any behavior, whether it looks good or bad, is danger zone. So let's look at it again. Education, culture, exercise of the wheel, human effort. But my friends, there must be a new element. There must be a supernatural element brought into the human nature because the human nature is corrupt. The human nature goes backwards. The human nature doesn't know how to submit to God. I don't know how to give away my guilt. I don't know how to give away my sorrow. I don't know how to give away my pain. There must be a supernatural power. Who is that power? Christ. Now, wait, wait, wait. Remember, Christ is the power of God, and he is the wisdom of God. If he has residence within, I tell you the truth, there's no power that can take you. There's no sin that will corrupt you. There is nothing. But the thing is, we don't give Christ permission to be here. Because we trust in our education, our culture, our discipline, we replace Christ with these things, not realizing that we still have corrupt self within. Go to John 3. Go to John 3. John 3. And someone asked, Someone asked, do is the videos, is this being recorded? So it's now being recorded on Facebook. I thought it was recording before, but it wasn't. And I didn't push record for the for the Zoom. So we have half of it uh video being recorded, all the autos audio is recorded. And you guys just have to pray that I remember to have create a checklist so I can do everything proper here. Okay. So John chapter three, verse three. Watch this. Watch watch my friends. Yeah, so the audio, you can find it on my podcast. I'll type it in the chat right before we're done, okay? So John 3, 3 says, Jesus answered and said unto him, Verily, verily, I say unto you, 
except a man be born again, he cannot see the kingdom of God. What does a man have to be? Born again. What does a woman have to be? Born again. The question is, are you born again? First Corinthians. First Corinthians. Look at this. You say, Andre, this is the milk of the word. No. Let me quickly help you out with that whole milk of the word thing. Sometimes, my friends, we think advanced knowledge and prophecy supersedes the fundamental understanding of Christ himself. And thus, we in, 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 in a backwards type of way, we corrupt prophecy because we don't understand the Christ of prophecy. We end up being like Peter's and cutting folks' ears off in the last days because we don't understand the person of Christ and his mission. So it's not the milk of the word to tell you and to remind me and to, to, to tell me I must be born again. Christ must have residence within. 1 Corinthians chapter 2, verse 14, the Bible says, but the natural man, what kind of man? The natural man receiveth not the things of the spirit of God for they are foolishness unto him neither can he know them because they are what spiritually discerned so the natural man the carnal man cannot know the spiritual things of God they are foolishness to him they make no sense to him have you ever seen an unconverted person before one that is just bent on doing what they want to do one that is bent on serving themselves have you seen that I've seen it I've lived it. And every day the natural man wants to come back in my life. And I'm like, no, Lord, please help me. So if the natural man cannot understand the th things of God, that tells me my our condition is such that I must have an outside power. John, Go back to John chapter 3. Look at verse number 7. John 3. In verse 7, look at this. John 3, 7 says, Marvel not that I say unto thee, you must be born again. You must be born again. John chapter 1, verse 4, look at what the Bible says. In him was life. And who was life? I'm talking about Jesus. In him was life, and the life was the light of men. Our condition is so corrupt that we must have an outside power to come inside. It is a false teaching, a false theory. And I, I didn't put it in my slide presentation today, but I have a whole thing where you have teachers and preachers saying that we're good natural we have some good within us so it just needs to be cultivated and we're good people anybody that tells you they're a good person anybody that tells you they're a good person doesn't understand the depravity that resides within their soul i'm a good person no there are no good people not there's not one good person on planet earth not one and if you happen to think they're good, any goodness that you see, every good gift and every perfect gift 
comes from above and cometh down from the Father of lights, of whom there is no variableness, neither shadow of turning. That means goodness comes from him, and all praise and honor goes to him. Somebody says, Andre, that was a good sermon. Do you know where that came from? God, because I'm not good. All goodness comes from God. All glory goes to God. Because of the natural state of who we are, we are filthy, friends. And when we trust to ourselves for a moment, when we trust to our intellect for a moment, we will find confusion and brokenness. Acts chapter 4, verse 12. Acts chapter 4, and verse number 12. Acts chapter 4, verse 12. Yeah, Jesus made sure he pointed to his father. Well, you know, Jesus was good. <laughs> But he wanted mankind to realize their dependence on the Father. Right? Look at Acts chapter 4, verse 12. The Bible says, Neither is there salvation in any other, for there is none other name under heaven given among men, whereby we must be saved. No other name. So there's a supernatural work that comes into the heart. There must be new desires, new purposes, new motives that lead to a new heart. You say, Andre, how often does this need to take place? My friends, I say every day, every moment of the day, dependency upon God is the way to go. That's the way to go. Uh, if you if you don't know how to swim, and that's me, you know, so if, I, if you know that you don't know how to swim and you get in the deep end of the pool and you don't have a safeguard or some type of vest on, you're going to drown. Am I right? Like if you don't know how to swim and you get in the deep end of the pool and there is no lifeguard and there is no safety vest and they don't have no floaty cushion thing. And you get in that water, you're going to drown. This is the same thing for being a human being on planet Earth. If you go out there and you're not resting in Christ moment by moment, you're going to drown. I'm going to drown. <laughs> we don't have it in us to do good. And I'm talking about good from the heart good. Notice this now. Self. Now, self will do a lot of strange things, and I want to make sure I hammer this point home. Self will do law-keeping. Self will break law. Now, oftentimes when we think of breaking the commandments of God, we think of these things like immoral living, meaning having sex outside of marriage or smoking or drinking. We think of those things because those things clearly are wrong to us. But we don't think of these things as being wrong. Let me tell you. Let me show you. Being a chaste virgin, you can be a chaste virgin and still be lost. You can be a total vegetarian, still be lost. You can dress modestly and still be lost. You can be immodest and lost. You can lie and be lost. You can tell the truth and be lost. You say, Andre, what? What is going on? You know what the problem is in this picture? The problem is self. 
The self will dress modestly so that the church doesn't say anything. Self will tell the truth. And they will tell the truth, not because they love the truth, but they want to gain favor in telling whatever is the truth, right? You could be a total vegetarian and not kill animals and eat good and still be lost. You know why? Because you're doing it for some selfish motive. Maybe you just want to be, you know, physically attractive or you just want to. It's selfish. Selfishness is the problem. Selfishness is the issue. Somebody says, are you telling me I'm selfish? Yes, I am saying you are selfish. I am selfish. So what do we do? You see? Now, what if I stopped telling telling lies and I stopped doing immoral living and I stopped eating food that has blood in it and I stopped doing all those things? Do you know that the chair that you're sitting in right now or the couch that you're sitting on right now doesn't lie, it doesn't cheat, it doesn't commit adultery, it doesn't bear false witness, it's still not righteous. Righteousness comes from the Most High, and Christ must find his way into your heart. So no longer would it be self, but it will be Christ that reigns within. And as Christ reigns within, then yes, you will tell the truth, and yes, you will be a chaste virgin, and yes, you will eat things that are good for you, and yes, you will dress modestly, but none of these things come before Christ. And if you're judging your goodness by what you do or don't do, you still are in confusion. <sighs> I hope you're getting it. If you're getting it, say I'm getting it. Tell me, tell me you're getting it, because I can't tell, I can't see your faces, so I, I need to know that you're getting it. Do you get it? Somebody said yes. All right, getting it. Amen. Need you to get it. Need you to get it. Yes, we're getting it. Good, 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 good. We got to get it. We got to get it. Because if we don't get it, we're going to go to church tomorrow, and we're going to think we did something good. <laughs> And we're going to take some type of spiritual righteous check mark and say, oh, I went to church. Oh, I ate this vegetarian diet. Number one question, do I love Jesus? Does he have my heart? Does he have my mind? Does he have my soul? Do, do I love him? And do, do, I, do I understand him? And there's going to be a sweet revelation, my friends, as you and I walk and start talking and start talking about him more and start listening to his word more and start meditating on his word more. There's just going to be this love that is created, not forced. There's so many people forcing themselves to be Christians right now, and they're hating their whole experience. I cannot think about this, friends. You know, God says, you know, we need to feed the poor. Or he says something like, do good to those that despitefully use you. And the whole time you're holding your peace and you're trying to do right things. And inside, you're building up resentment, 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 resentment. And then all of a sudden you're like, yo, I can't stand this anymore. And you want to box people in the face. You want to throw people out of the church. You start getting all these feelings that come because what's happening? You are living a righteous life in your natural state. And you are not able to sustain righteousness. It is not yours. It has to come from someone else. And people are burning out. They are dying out because they're seeking to be Christians without Christ. 
So let's look at a couple of verses. Look at a couple. Romans. Acts Romans. Let's go to Romans. And we've been talking for a minute. I need to, I need to stop talking. Romans chapter 7. And this whole chapter deals with this conflict between self and the knowledge of truth. The knowledge of truth. Okay? So here, here it is. Romans chapter 7 verse 16. The Bible says, If then I do that which I would not, I consent unto the law that it is good. Okay? Verse 12 says, Wherefore the law is holy, and the commandment holy, and just, and good. So the law is good. The law is it's evident when it, when it appears to you and you've been in sin and it appears to you like, yo, that is correct. I am doing wrong. <laughs> Verse 14 says, for we know that the law is spiritual, but I am, what's it say? Carnal, sold under sin. I'm carnal, sold under sin. Verse 24 says, oh, wretched man that I am. Listen to this. Oh, wretched man that I am. Oh, wretched woman that I am. Oh, wretched child that I am. And in order to come to that exasperation, my friends, you you are going to begin to see this is God's law and this is me. And God's law is perfect. And I'm not. But I'm trying, I'm trying, I'm trying, I'm trying. But it's not working. It's not working. It's not working. And the more I keep trying and it's not working, the more frustrated I get. And the more I'm just like, I give up. And that's why the cry comes out from Paul at the end of this passage. Oh, wretched man that I am. Who shall deliver me from this body of death? Now, back in the day, what they would do, if you were a criminal of sorts, they would tie you to a dead person. And they would leave you out there in the wilderness with the dead person tied to you. And death would creep into your life. And you would die. The dead man and the living man tied together. My friends, that's what's happening with us in our natural state. We are the dead man and the living man together. The dead man is doomed to, to damnation because he has broken the law. The living one wants to live, but the reality is you are tied and bound to death. The law is very clear. You are worthy of death. You have broken every rule in the book. Whether you thought it or whether you've done it, it's still broken. Who's going to deliver me from this body of death? Who's going to deliver me from this bondage, friends? I'm telling you, if you don't get this, you're going to die in your sins. There's only one person that can deliver you. There's not a drink that's going to deliver you. There's not a special potion that's going to deliver you. It's not your vegan diet that's going to deliver you. It's not the Sabbath that's going to deliver you. It's not dress reform that's going to deliver you. It's only going to be the person of Jesus that is going to deliver you. Who's going to deliver me from this body of death? Paul says, I thank God through Jesus Christ, our Lord. So then with the mind... I myself serve the law of God with the flesh, the law of sin. So we don't walk after the flesh. We walk after the spirit. So who delivers me? Jesus Christ. How does he deliver me? My friends, there's more to study. <laughs> I mean, we can keep going. I know it's simple. It's simple and complicated at the same time. I don't know if that makes any sense. In John 129, John declares very clearly and I, if I'm listening in my spiritual ear, I hear him declaring, 
Behold the Lamb of God. Do you hear him? Do you hear John declaring that? Behold the Lamb of God. Andre, how do I deal with my depression? Behold the Lamb of God. Andre, I have a I have a sexual addiction. How do I break that? Behold the Lamb of God. Andre, I have an anger problem. My my family just gets on my nerves. Behold the Lamb of God. How do I behold them? That's a good question. Take the time in a very practical way and say to the Father, Father, I want to see Jesus. Take the time in a practical way. Stop what you're doing and just say, Father, I want to see Jesus. And then open your Bible and slowly read through the Gospels. Slowly meditate on who the person of Jesus is. And as you behold, the Bible says, you become changed. That's what the Bible says. You must recognize your need. I must recognize my need. Then I will value Jesus more. But we value him less because we don't understand our need. I need you to think about it. What are the little tinkling sounds that are happening in your life to let you know that Jesus is not your number one? What are the frustrations that are transpiring in your experience that are letting you know your need of Jesus? What are the decisions that you're about to make that if you made them without Jesus, then what would be the result, the end result of that decision? You need, you and I need to make sure that we know him. He's everything to us. You know, the, the story of Jacob and he's sleeping and he has a dream about Jacob's ladder. And he's dreaming this dream because there is only one connection. And through that connection between Jesus, the ladder, and the angels are going up and down on this ladder, up and down on this ladder. Jesus is the connecting between the heaven and earth, up and down on this ladder. He's everything to us. In John 1.51, he says... And he said, Verily, verily, I say unto you, hereafter you shall have see heaven open and the angels of God ascending and descending upon the Son of Man. Jesus himself equated himself to Jacob's ladder. He's everything to us. John 14, 6. Let's wrap this up. John 14, 6. It says, Jesus said unto him, I am the way, the truth, and the life. No Man cometh unto the Father, but by me. No man comes to the Father, but by me. There's no other way but through Jesus. There's no other connector but through him. Don't stop on the periphery of external change. Let him come all the way in 
and change you from the inside out. Don't stop on the periphery of cultural norm. Let him come all the way in and change you from the inside out. Please. Even now, he's offering that opportunity to you and to me. Jesus is that great connector. He is our provider. He is everything to us. A restored spiritual life, a sound symmetrical experience is the result. The result of what? Of an acceptance of the great gift of Christ. The noblest faculties of the soul are thus made one with God. He who receives Christ by faith has the blessedness and joy of an eternal life. So I say to you, if you have guilt, then accept Jesus. If you have shame, then accept Jesus. You have an anger problem, then accept Jesus by faith, by what the word declares. And if you accept him by faith, he then gives you what you don't have. But if you have Jesus, you have everything. <laughs> if you have Jesus, my friends, you have everything. Now, right before I came on, I came across this quotation. I said, I have to read it to you, whether you, you like it or not. I'm going to share my screen of my, my original screen here. And you can see this. You can actually go online and type this in. And I just typed in faculties, right? The faculties of the soul. Because I'm doing a whole study on faculties of the soul at some point. But I typed it in and it came across this. My friends, you got, you got to hear what this says. It says, it is sin that has dragged down and degraded the faculties of the soul. But through faith in Jesus Christ, our Redeemer, we may be restored to holiness and truth. All who would learn of Christ must be emptied of human wisdom. The soul must be cleansed from all vanity and pride and vacated by all that is held in its possession, prepossession. And Christ must be enthroned in the heart. The constant strife in the soul that results from, what's it result from? Selfishness and self-sufficiency must be rebuked. And humility and meekness must take the place of our natural self-esteem. Are you getting that? I'm, re I'm reading that for the, I'm reading it, I'm like, there's a lot of science to what she's saying. I am pained beyond measure when I see men and women professing the name of Christ and yet manifesting not the spirit of Christ, for I know that they are dwelling in what kind of delusion, my friends? Fatal delusion. Mercy. Many are satisfied with a mere semblance of religion and they have no experimental knowledge of the virtues of Christ not vital connection with Jesus. They listen to the most searching presentations of truth, but make no application of the truth to their own soul because they are clothed with the garment of self-righteousness. Every solitary impression is warded off with the thought that they are Christians and that the, and that the close searching appeals are not met for them. Mercy. The most solemn message from the great teacher through his delegated servants is lost upon them. Why? 
because they do not see the need of any such warning or appeal. They have not come to the point of realizing, what don't they realize? That they are sick and in need of a physician. Christ said, they that are whole need not a physician, but they that are sick. Now, my friends, you can read the rest in your own time. This is taken from uh, some letters, manuscript 102, 1893, paragraph 3 and 4. But where it's found, it really doesn't matter. The point is the truth. <laughs> the question is, do I believe what inspiration said about my condition? If you believe what inspiration says about your condition, I want you to type, I believe. Type it in the chat. Type it in the, type it in the chat. If you believe what inspiration says about your condition, type, I believe, in the chat. Type it in the chat. Yep. 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 See, my friends, if you believe, and I believe, then there's hope for us. So the, the trick right now is, how do I practically apply the truths that I heard? How do I do it? Here's what I'm going to tell you. I'm going to suggest that you do. I can't tell you what to do. I'm going to suggest that you do this. When you get off the line, when you stop listening to this presentation, I want you to pause. I want you to go. I want you to pray. I want you to talk to God and, and be honest with him about your condition. The thing is, he already knows your condition. He's, he's known it for uh, all the years that you've been alive, right? But we somehow have couched this thing in a way that we're not as bad as, as the Bible says. We're not as bad as the Republican <laughs> or we're not as bad as the Democrat. I'm not as bad as the conservative in the church or as the liberal in the church. We've couched it in this way. We compare ourselves amongst ourselves and we lose sight of our need. So I'm going to suggest when you get off the line that you quietly just spend some time with Jesus and let him know. That you acknowledge the reality of what the word declares and that you want Jesus to take your heart. You give him permission to take your heart. And when you say it, your heart may not believe it, my friends. I'm pro I promise you, your heart will not believe that you are bad. It will tell you that you're not so bad. You're just doing this as a, as a religious activity. But you need to acknowledge it and say it. And then, then you need to behold and Spend time just thinking about Jesus and reading about him and meditating, visualize him. It's okay to do visualization of Jesus. And just see him as he is and see the hand that he's extending to you and me and trusting that he loves us. It's not our badness that makes him not want us. It's actually the badness in us that draws us to him. It's different for me, man. If you do me wrong, I really don't want to deal with you ever again. I mean, that's me. Jesus is the opposite. You almost say he's a glutton for pain. But he's built for it because he says, I, in order to save you, I have to press in. Love is long-suffering and in kind. I'm pressing in to the pain. And when he comes close, my friends, don't run from him. Because when he gets closer, 
self starts being revealed and you don't like the stuff that you start seeing. So you might try to cover it up by doing some religious activity or preaching or teaching or giving a Bible study or going to church or eating. Don't don't do that. Just stay there. As he presses in, it's going to feel nasty. That's part of the process. But you stay there long enough, there's going to be a peace that passes all understanding. My friends, I I encourage you. I encourage you. Acknowledge your need and press close to the only one that can save you. And God's word will be fulfilled in your experience. If we confess our sins, he is faithful and just to forgive us our sins and to cleanse us from all unrighteousness. Praise God. Praise God. My friends, if you understood our talk tonight, just say, Amen. <laughs> type in the chat to say amen. You understood the word tonight. Just type in the chat, amen. Amen. Praise God. Praise God. Praise God. Now, friends, if this has been a blessing to you, invite somebody else to join. Send them the link I, that you already have and have them join. And we can just, everyone can grow together. Next week is going to be even more fun. It's going to be deeper. I'm telling you, we're going to keep digging until we have fallen, not fallen, until we have walked in love with Jesus, lockstep. I can't wait. I can't wait to get off this planet, friends. I can't wait till all the struggles and pains are over. Can't wait. In the meantime, God's going to do something super special for us. And that I can't wait for either. Where true Christians are going to start showing up everywhere. And the light of God is going to be seen. And this superficial, this superficial religion will find its way somewhere else. And God's people are going to be finishing this work, not because they preach harder, but because they reflect the righteous one more clearly. God bless you guys. Let's close with a word of prayer. Father in heaven, thank you so much for the opportunity to open your word, to come together via this platform. Thank you, Father, for not giving us what we deserve, but giving us what your dear son does. Lord, as we have read inspiration, as we have seen your word, we ask, Father, that these words don't fall on deaf ears. May it not be something that we have just spoken or, or heard, Father, but may we apply the truth in our heart. We want a living experience with you. We want the world to see what Jesus looks like in us. And we are far from what it should be, Father. We are so self-sufficient. We're so smart. And these are gifts that you've given us, and we take these glories to ourselves. Father, please forgive us. Please, Lord. Save us from ourselves. Save us from ourselves, our weak, unchristlike selves. Please. Thank you. We claim these things in the name of Jesus and claim the merits of his holy and most precious blood. Amen. Amen. Now, my friends, the podcast is the Gospel Gospelpreneur. Uh, in fact, let me just those of you who are already in this in this platform, you're going to be receiving an email. You're supposed to receive it on Sundays, but it seems like my day got kind of pushed a little bit. So uh, you're probably going to receive it on Monday. 
But in that email is the link to the podcast, the link to the Bible studies, the link to the PowerPoints, which I will be putting the PowerPoints in there. I forgot last week. And the link to the YouTube channel that has the the videos on them. So you will have all of those things in the email. Those of you who are watching on Facebook, if you would like that, then you need to direct message me your email address and we will get you registered as well. God bless you guys. Have a wonderful Sabbath and uh, hope to see you next week uh, as we uh, continue to, to fall in love with Jesus. This concludes another episode of The Gospelpreneur. Be sure to subscribe and share with your friends so we can all grow together. Until next time, be the abundance and be blessed.